Welcome to Think Queerly, a thought leadership podcast that cultivates inclusion, understanding, and social evolution for a more accepting, equitable, and humane world. I'm your host, Darren Steele. I'm a personal leadership coach who empowers LGBTQ plus creators and change makers with their self-mastery so that they can accomplish their goals, create a life they love by doing what they love, and make a difference in the process. Now, I'm really excited to have today's guest, Mark J. Silverman, on the show. He's an executive coach, author, speaker, and a podcast host. He works with CEOs around the world, turning their fast rising high achievers into effective leaders. He's the author of the best-selling Only Tens 2.0, Confront Your To-Do List, Transform Your Life, which has sold over 70,000 copies to date. And he's the host of the podcast, Mastering Overwhelm, How to Thrive in Business, Relationships, and Life. Only Tens 2.0 is a brilliant book. I've read the original. I'm making my way through the 2.0 version. His Mastering Overwhelm podcast is really insightful. I've listened to a number of episodes and I've always learned something new. He's a great speaker. I hope you will enjoy this episode. Mark, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. It's a pleasure to come up to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were just up here recently. You were up here um, about two months ago. In the, in the spring, I brought, I brought home Canadian COVID. I was really appreciative. Oh, crap. I'm sorry to hear that. I didn't know that. <laughs> I, I, that's, I, I, went to, I was out of commitment. It was pretty bad. I got home and I was so sick. I had avoided COVID the whole entire time. Go to Canada, do a bunch of speaking gigs. By the time I got home, I couldn't. I could crawl in the bed. Yeah, that's the problem. I mean, we can still be around so many people and do our best, but... Well, I want to briefly let people know where we met. I've known who you are for a very long time, but not known you. Um, hmm. Many years ago, I worked with a coach, Jen Gresham, um, and she's worked with Coach Rich Litvin. You, you, and, by the way, you have to say the brilliant Jen Gresham. The brilliant, and she is. She, I mean, what she's doing now is 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 quite incredible. Um, but she referred me to read your book uh, because I was having trouble prioritizing and doing what was most important. And, you know, I can relate because you've said you're ADD. I grew up and I was diagnosed ADHD. I was on Ritalin for a couple of years as a little boy. Uh, didn't stay on that for very long because my story is, and I don't remember the story because I don't remember much of that period of time in my life because the Ritalin blocked my memories. Interesting. Uh, yeah. But my parents said, as a little boy, I came to them and said, I don't feel well. I don't want to take this drug anymore. And thankfully, even though they struggled with little crazy hyperactive Darren that they knew was going to be bouncing off the walls again, <laughs> they said, if our son is saying to us, he doesn't feel good on this, we're going to have to find an alternative. That's the reason she passed on or suggested to read your book, Only Tens. And you've come out with a 2.0 and we're going to get into that. But then we were both, or I was in a writing program in May, uh, Ship 30 for 30. And you mm -hmm. were in there and I thought, I think this name is familiar. And then I looked you up and followed you. And I'm like, ah. and then we reached out and connected to each other. And I just thought the bonus was, I didn't know you were gay. How cool is that? So it just seems like it's such a small world when these little connections are made, if not through the internet, then just by the course of finding yourself in one program. And there's somebody you didn't know you knew, but who you then got to know. Are you sure that you reached out to me? Because I'm pretty sure I read uh, some of your stuff and gave you a compliment because yes. I really liked where you were taking your writing. Oh, thank uh, you. I think I reached out to you. 
You reached out to me. That is right. You are absolutely correct. And thank you for pushing the compliment. <laughs> that was actually a really meaningful um, thing that you did for me because at the, I, you know, this, this might be something we can talk about in general. I have been writing for a very long time. I've, I've published, I don't know, we're getting close to like 600 articles over the last 10 mm. years. This is my 240th podcast episode. I know you're somewhere over 300, I think like that. So, you know, 450. Thank you. <laughs> you know, the work that goes into creating, right. And how much effort goes into it, whether you're doing it yourself or whether you're having somebody do the post-production work, there's still so much effort that goes into it. Plus we're on the camera here. We're having to show up hoping that we're being our best selves, um, not second guessing ourselves. And it, I just thought, you know, here's this guy who's in my mind made it, <laughs> who was recommended to me as a, as a coach I should read and who's giving me a compliment about my writing. So it was, it was very well received. Um, so thank you for that. You're welcome. You know, we could start right at a little bit about who you are and how you got to where you're at. I mean, you're a gay man who just turned 60, um, kind of challenged by that, but sort of celebrating it at the same time. Challenged, challenged before, freed after. 60 just rocks. Tell me about that. Why, why, what, was the, what was the change? Why was that so trepidatious, so problematic? And then why did you like transform literally on the other side of it? Um. Couple of reasons, you know. Yeah. There's the, some of the typical reasons turning 60s kind of rough, yeah. Because you know, I I I kind of lean on my my looks and my charm and my, you know, not, I'm not saying a, a movie a movie star, but like being being attractive and being charming and right. you know and <clears throat> that kind of thing is a thing for me, right? And being, right. and, and I, I hate to admit it, but it, it, it just is. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, when you're, you know, com coming in on 60 for me, it meant that at some point that one, that, that one of those, one of the tools in my tool belt to cope is going to go away. Mm. Right. And, you know, so, so how do, how do I do, how do I deal with that? Cause I didn't have the, you know, the, the confidence uh, to stand on my own two feet, right? That kind of thing. So that was that was one piece. Another piece was, you know, you can spend many, many years going, I will get to this. I will get there. At this point, I'm going to be this kind of person. At this, you know, I'm going to accomplish, and time just starts marching on, yeah. right? So the time between one and 25 mm. is a lot longer than the time between 25 and 50, mm. right? And then twenty five to sixty is about uh, uh, fifty to sixty is about five minutes, yeah. <laughs> and it, it, you start to see the the grains in the hourglass starting to go. Yeah. And for me, when I started, when I after I turned fifty nine and I was he heading towards sixty, it got very clear to me that there's no more time. Yeah. Like now, if I'm ever going to be the person I said I wanted to be. It's now. If I ever want to accomplish what I said I want to accomplish, it's now, right? Mm -hmm. In my relationship, I'm not going to go out and look for the, another great love of my life if this relationship doesn't work out. I'm mm -hmm. not saying you're dead at 60. I'm saying it's yeah. time to start to go, huh, you know, I've created a life. I've lived my life. I've raised my children, right? So I, 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 I happen to be a gay man who has, you know, two adult children. Uh, uh, it, it just started to close in and there were some things that I wanted to be 
things I, uh, there was more, rather than accomplish, it was more, there were, there, there was a mark I wanted to be. Yeah. That I wasn't quite there. And mm. as the, as the, you know, the, it narrowed and I started getting towards 60, I went and did an ayahuasca journey. Mm-hmm. And ayahuasca was both cruel and kind and showed me exactly the things I was talking about. So, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I was, it was a few months before I turned 60. So that when I turned 60, I was ready. And yeah. the day I turned 60, I got a lion tattoo on my arm. Mm. Uh, and I committed to being the person I wanted to be. And when I woke up on my 60th birthday, I just felt free and joyful and excited about life. And I haven't been this revved up about creating in the world in a long time. And I'm pretty revved up in general. Yeah. And, you know, something, something lifted being 60. And there's, there's, there's an urgency without it being desperate. It's like, you know, there's an immediacy now to life that just is so exciting. And there's also just a dropping of a way of, there's a bunch of shit that just doesn't matter. Yeah. And, and so, I, so I, I love, I'm just so happy being 60. Well, it's, you know, what you've described or what I'm hearing anyways, you, you, you created a very unique and ephemeral in a sense, like a one-time ritual. You, you, you experienced all of this discomfort. You figured out, okay, I've got to have a plan to deal with it. Um, and, and somehow it managed to all come together and triggered so that when that date hit, when you take mm-hmm. the clock turn and you're like, I'm officially 60, this is when I came out of the womb 60 years ago. Um, Giant lion, all- don't never underestimate the power of a giant lion tattoo visible yeah. on your arm for everybody to see. That's my yeah. stake in the ground, right? Like, yeah. so I can't ever forget who I am and how I want to create myself every day. Well, it's interesting. Like, I mean, I, I, I don't know if it can be seen. I mean, I've got this little tattoo on my arm here. It's like a, a stick figure with a little heart in it. And that is the same tattoo that my partner has. We're not of the camp that wants to get married. Um, I'm not a fan of the institution, but this is as close as we will get to having a ring because we don't have rings either. And we've been together for 11 years. And I remember having a conversation with somebody when I was still a personal trainer. He's like, why would you get that? Why would you have this tattooed on you? I'm like, because you don't understand how I feel. And then he said, but what if you break up? I said, then this will be a wonderful memory of Mm. all the joy we had together. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And so just the framing of that ritual, of that mark, same with your lion tattoo, I think is so important because that's sort of like a stake in the sand or the mark that Mark is making (laughs) about where you want to go and who you want to be. Exactly. I create myself every day. Yeah. There was like, there was something I wanted to mention. You were talking about relying on uh, looks and youthfulness. And I thought, I was really fortunate to have attended uh, one of Jim Rohn's leadership weekend seminars many years ago. I think he was 73 or something at the time. Um, and he was already using sort of the, the podium to hold himself up a little bit. And uh, I was able to like shake his hand amongst like a hundred other people or whatever. And he's sitting in a chair, but there's this distinguished Southern gentleman who's ailing, but his age didn't matter mm. because it was his charisma. And I'll pay you the compliment because you have charisma. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, you. So if you think all the looks are failing, fall back on your charisma, honey. (laughs) I appreciate appreciate that. (laughs) 
Well, I want to get into, you've written a number of books, and I want to touch on some of the concepts from Mastering Overwhelm, and then I'd love to hear you bring in other aspects of your journey and and what that means to you with respect to self-mastery. And how I'd really like to frame this, Mark, is like my audience is LGBTQ. So I work with and I love to speak with like creators and change makers. Your audience is like C-suite um, executives um, who you're helping to get out of their own way because they're overworked, overtired, and they're not prioritizing what's most important to them. Is that mm-hmm. like a good synopsis? Uh Yes, and also just learning learning how to lead on a leadership team. So that that's basically where where what I do almost all day, every day. Perfect. What you just said there is is helpful because a conversation I had with another coach uh, in a in a podcast that'll be coming out I think this Friday was the challenge for somebody who might be identified as LGBTQ who may decide at the higher level of leadership to not come out, but instead to try and fit in. And while that might not be your ideal client per se, there are aspects of showing up as the leader you can be and and whether or not that's relevant, I think, to your position and how you can lead others by being more authentically yourself. It doesn't mean necessarily that you have to behave in a different way. It just means that if there's nothing you have to hide about yourself, there's a freedom in being all that you can be and all that you set yourself up to be. Sure, sure. Yeah. So we'll talk about how I present myself in the world. Yeah. So I'm not in the closet by any means. I'm married yeah. to a man, right? I, uh, uh, there's there's nothing there's there's nothing I'm hiding. Yeah. But the first thing I tell people isn't the fact that I'm gay, mm-hmm. right? So I'm very conscious of not being a gay executive coach. Yes. I'm an executive coach who happens to be gay. Yes. Right. So that for me, that's very important. So if you're going to be, so, you know, I, I think I told you before we turned on the mic, I do coach executives at GLAD. Yeah. Right. So I do, I do coach in the community. Uh, but I, but, but, you know, again, that's, that's not my, that's not my calling. Right. All uh, right. I, I, I came out, you know, after being married and uh, having kids and getting divorced. Uh, so a lot of a lot of men come to me uh, when they're in the middle of that hell, yeah, of telling their wives, of separating, of their wives losing their shit over it, right? Because it's such a it's such a destabilizing thing of trying to figure out how where the kids fit in and all that stuff. So I spend a lot of time counseling and loving on 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 men who have, are just in the middle of that hell and helping mm-hmm. them get to the to where it's good. Yeah. Right, so, you know where you, you know, I'm like, I promise you, you will have a relationship with your children, right? Yeah. I promise you, you know, your wife may may not, you know, get, re- you know, really warm, but she'll calm down, right? That kind of thing. My mm-hmm. ex wife and I have such a wonderful relationship. Um, so so I'm I, I'm very cognizant of the of what you're talking about. So for gay executives who are in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, there are certain things I can say to a gay executive that mm-hmm. a straight coach can't say. Yeah, right. So there's certain mannerisms, and I'm and I'm not even talking about femi- a feminine Adam. There's certain gay license that we give ourselves yeah. in certain situations to have a certain attitude, to be a certain way. Yeah, that just doesn't fly in the C-suite, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I can say 
I can say to someone that shit doesn't belong <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I'm gay, right? Like, yeah. you know, so like, let's understand where you are and what you're, it's not, you're not hiding. You're not being inauthentic. You're being professional. Yes. Right. Right. Just like bro speak. If I'm, if I'm talking to a straight guy, like bro speak doesn't, doesn't fit in the C-suite, right? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. We are adults mm-hmm. and, you know, that kind of stuff doesn't belong there. So I'm very, I'm very clear on that. But mm-hmm. never, never would I ever say don't be uh, authentic. Uh, you know, put a picture of your spouse on your uh, on your desk. You talk yeah. about your spouse. You, you know, I remember the first time I brought I brought John. We, John and I were just dating back then when I was I was in the <laughs> tech industry. I was a sales guy in the tech industry. Yeah, and you want to talk about bro culture and in uh, and I was terrified, terrified of coming mm-hmm. out. I remember when I told my boss I was gay, and he goes, "No wonder you're so nice." He goes, and no wonder you dress so well. I'm like, what? <laughs> anyway, yeah. so I brought John to a, a, a trip uh, uh, to Belize uh, and uh, for you know for my company as my spouse, right? As you know, we mm-hmm. get to bring a plus one. And every year, I always brought my wife, right? And now I'm bringing this six foot two dude uh, to yeah. the thing, and it wasn't a problem. Yeah. In fact, they, people were so kind and bent over backwards to be kind to me. Now, I believe that that's because I was clear on who I am, unapologetic, unapologetic about who I am. Yes, I had some self-consciousness about it, but I didn't bring that there. And, yeah. uh, and I think people were, felt comfortable around me. Same thing in the neighborhood that uh, I raised my kids in. When John, John and I moved into the neighborhood around the corner from my ex-wife, we had all the same friends as my ex-wife and all my kids. You know, and it was fine. Yeah, but you know, like I wasn't offensive and I wasn't defensive about it. Like I just, this is me. This is my life. So uh, I don't even know why we're. If that's important to get into that, um, I think I, I think I'm de- I think I'm defending my gay cred. <laughs> no, I think I think it's interesting. You've helped uh, clarify something to me uh, with respect to sort of C-suite culture. So there's this aspect of professionalism. You can be who you are, but at that level. You're there to work, and you're there to perform, and you're, you're there, there to, to perform. Right? You're there to perform. Nobody yeah. gives a shit about anything. If you perform, they don't care who you're sleeping with. Perform, yeah, yeah. Tim, you know, uh, Tim. Um, now I'm, I want to call him Tim Apple. Now, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, from Apple, uh, he's yeah. Tim Cook is CEO because he's the person who should be CEO, right? Yeah, yeah. Like that. That's number one. He has to perform. Yeah. And oh, by the way, and he, you know, he did it. He's like, oh, by the way, I'm gay. Yeah. I, I feel like I should come out and tell people because, you know, I should support the the, the community. Yeah. But that's not a big part of my. I, I'm a workaholic guy. Like that's my thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's his badge of honor, exactly. Right. Yeah. So I sort of want to transition, Mark, into general concepts of of leadership and self mastery uh, from your book, Only Tens. 2.0. Tell us a little bit of, about that book. Um, it's a 2.0 for a reason, which was very clearly written in the introduction. Sure. I wrote the book for myself as an ode to trying to get, trying to run a business with ADD. Yeah. I wanted to figure out why it was so hard for me to get stuff done. Yeah. Uh, so I, so I, I decided the summer of 2015 that I was going to get a PhD in how to get things done with ADD. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, you know, one of you know some of the things that were were makes perfect sense is you narrow it down. What's really important to you? Figure out what mm-hmm. your values is. One of the things that I noticed was I only do what I want to do, and I don't do what I don't want to do. 
Yeah. Only always. Right. I only do what I want to do. If I want to do something, I don't procrastinate. I don't mm -hmm. have ADD. It mm -hmm. happens. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do something. I'll say I want to do it and it'll never happen. So mm -hmm. I started to learn that I lied to myself and I lied to other people about what I was willing to do, what I'm going to do. I'm also a people pleaser, right? And I like, so I, I'm all things to all people all the time. So I say yes to everything mm -hmm. and then wind up dropping things out and not keeping deadlines, right? So I get overwhelmed by stuff. So I started to look at the to-do list. And what I realized was that I was not discerning on what I put on my plate to accomplish. And I was feeding, I was feeding my dopamine receptors on my to-do list. I was feeding my fears on my to-do list. I was, I was doing, you know, I was doing things not to disappoint people. I wasn't doing things because I was scared, you know, scared not to. Uh, and then I started to see that everything that was on my list had very little to do with who I was and what I wanted to accomplish. Uh, and, or there would be things on my list about that were who I was and what I want to accomplish, but they took a back seat to everybody else. Right. So I wrote this book for myself. I published it. I wrote it in 90 days and it sold 1500 copies in the first day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> then it sold 1500 copies again. And then people are, people are, are saying to me, Oh my God. I, you know, like they, they give these, they give the book to these CEOs and like someone gave the book to you. And, uh -huh. and it's, it's like. What is going on here with the book? And my ex-wife is like, dude, you don't have that many friends. Who's buying this book? So the, <laughs> the, book just, the book has just transformed my life. The 2.0 version was I was about to write my next book and my publisher who happens to be, uh, my, you know, my book coach and publisher who happens to be in Toronto, Patty Hall, she said, you have to uh, rewrite only 10s because you've been coaching on it for five years. You've been living it. You've been teaching it. And it, now it's become a much more of a leadership book, yeah. uh, and and uh, and a, a you know a little bit there's there's it's just a, a heftier book uh, in the mm -hmm. 2.0. Now I'm freed up to write my next book, nice, which is going to be the Rising Leader Handbook. Perfect. Well, that's actually a nice segue from uh, what that book is about into your next one. So I, this what you wrote somewhere in the introduction early on in the book. The great masters agree the path to true freedom is inquiry, self-inquiry. The to-do list is relegated to low-level consciousness and, when evaluated, has us pausing to ask, do I even want to do this? We get to unpack each choice. We get to see what resentment has to teach us. This introspection awakens us to personal truth. Only tens breaks the road to finding out who we truly might be into small, doable segments. It's that last bit that I just loved. I like. I wrote that shit. Oh my god! <laughs> who we might be? It, it breaks the road. Breaks the road to finding out who we truly might be into small, doable segments. Because our, our, we think our path to greatness, and I want to do this, I want to accomplish this, and it seems so grand, and that's not possible. Well, I mean, it's possible, but how to do practical. it? Seems yeah. So, so great. I just came back from a week and I was just, I was just on a weekend retreat with this uh, spiritual leader that I've been following for years and he teaches a specific kind of self-inquiry. Yeah. Um, and I came back from, from that workshop, just really peaceful and, and with a new tool in my tool belt. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Then I started thinking about only tens because it's so much, such a big part of my life. And what I realized is what I wrote back then was the beginning of self-inquiry for me. You yeah. look at something on your to-do list, and then you evaluate it. Is yeah. this something I want to do? Yeah. Why do I want to do it? Mm -hmm. If I don't want to do it, 
Why am I saying I'm going to do it? What conversations am I not willing to have? Right? Where am I repressed? Can I not show anger? Can I not can I not ask for help? Can I not set a boundary? Right? Mm. All everything is in the to-do list here. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then everything is on the, what's not on the to-do list. What what am I what am I dropping out? Who am I putting in front of what I say is important? And now we have we have a tool to understand who we are. And I, I joke that I can look at someone's to-do list and I can tell you, I, you know, I can look at it like tarot cards and I can tell people what they, what they like, what they don't like, how they grew up, what they're afraid of just from their to-do list and how, yeah. and their relationship to it. Yeah. So for me, that whole thing of, oh my God, I don't know how to set boundaries. Yeah. I don't know how to say no. You know, I don't know how to tell someone you're important to me. But I'm, I just, someone, uh, one of my, my shaman a friend, uh, he's like, Mark, I've dreamt about you every day this week and you really need to come to my retreat. Yeah. I mean, like, don't you, like, oh my God, of course I need to go to his retreat in Mexico. I love this guy and he's been dreaming about me. So of course I need to go. <laughs> yes. Um, and you know, it doesn't hurt that he looks like he just came off of a romance novel, you know, thing, but he's like, Mark, I've been dreaming about you and you must come to my retreat. And I, I, you know, I know myself enough. I am an internal, I, my, my internal no is there. I'm not going to the retreat. So how do I say to him, you're a 10 for me. I love you. You mean the world to me. And I'm not coming to your retreat. 10 years ago, I would have gone into debt and, you know, done everything I can to be at that retreat just to please him and keep that relationship because I'm terrified of losing that, that connection. Oh. So those are the kinds of things that I learned from writing Only 10s. You, uh, I, you just made me aware from that story of when you said the 10 years ago, I would have gone into debt. Hello. Um, the money I've invested in training in the past, I, I recognize had to do with fulfilling my need to feel like I was smart enough. Hmm. It was like one of my core motivators is that, you know, it was like the pro and the con. It's like, I am freaking smart. I, you know, I almost didn't get through high school. But I went to college, got an A minus average, went to university, had an A minus average, dean's list every year, full scholarship and master's, 10 month scholarship to go study in Germany, a month award scholarship to study in Amsterdam at a, at a queer studies wow. program. Like I, it, because then I was doing things in the way that I wanted to do. But then when I went out and started doing, um, you know, non university level, like moving into personal training and all this stuff to feel like I was capable and I was smart enough, I had to invest in the best training, which I couldn't afford at the time. Right. And and then I wound up being bullied by the person that was running that program. And when I finally said, I think I'm going to have to leave, he just said, okay, in an email. And that was it after four years. And that was an interesting lesson that you just reminded me of uh, how what I wasn't prioritizing at that time mm -hmm. um, was and what you were and what you were prioritizing, right? Yes. I, at all, I have to feel good about myself at all costs. I don't care what it costs. Yes, that yes. you know, isn't as important as this feeling I must have. Yeah, and that's where the self inquiry comes in: is can yeah. I sit with the feeling of lack? Yes, and most of us can't. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one. You know. Um, there's there's more review that I need to do uh, of only tens because there's always something in 
a different framework or a unique framework that can be taken. I've uh, sort of used the the one thing idea um, on the love day. The one on the thing week. essentialism. You know, I love I love all those all those books. For yeah. me, the reason only tens works for me is because they don't explain. Yeah. To me, why I can't do what they tell me to do. Yeah. That was my problem. Is of right. course I know I should focus on the one thing. Of course I should pay attention to what's essential. All that yeah. stuff. Why mm. can't I? Oh, because I'm terrified of everybody else. <laughs> right. That bit, I have one side of my coaching that I will address with uh, through sort of neuroscience. If if you've got emotional alignment with something, then that's going to be your motivation, right? Mm -hmm. That's going to be the inspiration to go forward and do something. Align that with this scale of 10. And if it's a, a 9.5 on the emotional scale, but not a 10, in your eyes, in your book, in your framework, it's like, no, don't do it. It just means that this is really important to you, but it is not the priority, right? And to be able to understand how our brain works in that way, but there was something you wrote in the book about also when certain fears are a 10. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit so, more about that. So like you just, you just stated it. Fear yeah. of not being smart enough, right? Of right. having that that credential that right. will make you go do something. Yeah, it'll also make you not do something, yeah. right? So yeah. I'm I'm pivoting. My my whole brand is changing to the rising leader. Uh, yeah. So I what I do for a living is I coach executives who are in the yeah. C suite, right? Yeah. So, but I've never wanted to hang my sh shingle out and say this is who I am. Uh, you know, because I never wanted to be like compete with Simon Sinek and Tony Robbins and all those people and say I'm a leadership coach. I never yeah. thought of myself that way. Myself, um, my my view of myself was smaller than that and a little bit different. So mastering midlife, mastering overwhelm, I'll just skirt on all that stuff until I realized what I do all day every day is coach leaders in the in the in the uh, C suite, right? Uh, mm -hmm. On the on the senior leadership team, I do that all day every day. I coach mm -hmm. freaking billionaires, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I'm stepping out. I you know, and it was years ago that people said, "No, this is what you should be doing, Mark. This should be your branding. This should be everything." I'm like, "No, I'm going to do the midlife thing. I wanted to stay safe." Uh. Only in hindsight do I see, actually, this was the right thing for me to be doing. I was just too scared. Mm -hmm. So now I'm I'm still scared. Yeah. I still feel self-conscious. I still still have those internal traumas of don't be seen, don't, you know, all that stuff. Don't compete. Part of it's, you know, since this is a gay podcast, part of it is because I was a gay guy on sports teams. I was a gay guy in on sales teams, right? And I would hear the locker room talk about people like me. Yeah. Although I, even though, because I had a wife and kids, nobody knew that it was people like me at that point. So mm -hmm. I could, I, it felt uncomfortable to step out in front, mm -hmm. right? So now I'm stepping out in front in all my full glory at 60 years old, because mm -hmm. this is what I do all day, every day. And yeah. I, I'm, and for me, I've now learned to live with yeah. the fear that goes on inside. Yeah. Right. I can, I can, both can be true. I can step out and I can feel fear. And I can, and I and I can and I can and I can be that guy. With what you said here, I, um, I think it was Tony Tony Robbins who popularized or, or at least made famous this idea of you're either you know moving towards pleasure or you're moving away from discomfort. 
But the, the question I asked you earlier about when my fear was a 10, in the work that you're doing, how motivating, propelling is it going to be for somebody to, you know, make that change or transformation that they need if that 10 is actually a fear versus some sort of a higher calling or on, on more of like a empowering emotion as opposed to a threat? So I was home. I was, you know, when I came to DC uh, back in um, 1989, uh, I was 135 pounds living in my truck and homeless. Yeah. I was an alcoholic, a drunk, sex, sex addict. And um, several years later, I was a millionaire, right? Mm -hmm. Married, two kids. Uh, that's, that's my little short Jewish Tony Robbins story yeah. guy in the thing, right? Um, <clears throat> but what's interesting is what got me to be successful, what got mm -hmm. me to make all that money was mm -hmm. I never wanted anybody to see me as that homeless guy ever again. Right? Right. I never wanted anybody. So, so I worked my ass off. That fear propelled yeah. me. Okay. Right. And that's, that's the whole premise of midlife, right? What got, what that, that, those traumas, those choices, the conditioning, everything that gets you through your twenties and thirties and gets you to that success. Yeah. Right. It's successful. It does it. But if you want to go to the next level of success, or if you even want to maintain it, something's got to give because that's not that's sugar. That's not fuel that's sustainable. Okay. When you're when you're when you're doing something out of fear, or you're not doing something out of fear, it, you you can do it. It can burst you through, but it's not sustainable. You have to now shift, and your internal guidance is going to tell you you can keep doing this, but you have to do it a different way. Mm -hmm. And it's either going to be sickness. Uh, job change, a uh, relationship, you know, uh, train wreck, something's going to happen, you know, in midlife that tells you uh, that something's got to give. But if you yeah. can do that beforehand and start to know who you are, you know, now you can start to make actual conscious choices. Brilliant. Okay. Thank you for that. Given one's circumstances, the, the 10, the ultimate priority or reason that's going to propel you forward Taking all of that and what we've talked about so far, what would then be, you know, the conversations you need to learn as a change maker or a thought leader or a creative if you want to change your impact and change your life? I mean, for myself, just as an example, I'm what would be called a multi-passionate creator. Pardon me, I <laughs> and 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 part of me also trying to rein in and go, okay, well, what's my ten here? What am I supposed to be doing, right? Um, what what are these conversations that I need to learn? What are these changes that I may need to focus on, or fictitiously, someone like me who's not me? <laughs> right. I, so I'm, I'm a little confused by your question. So let me mm. see, let me see if I can uh, understand because there's there's the coach question that I get all the time is how do I figure out what my thing is to go forward in the world? Right. Right. Uh, and then there's the, you know, what do I need to learn in order to just in my business, in my life, in my organization, in my family, start to start to live my authentic self uh, and, and, and not be buffeted about by everybody else. I'm sure which which direction are you taking me here? I think probably the key word for me is multi-passionate creator um, in that. OK, got it. If you're rich. Go on and be a multi-passionate creator. Right. If you can afford it, paint, do a podcast, write books, travel, do it all. If you're yeah. not rich, <laughs> yeah, guy, you got to decide what's a distraction. Yeah. What's your art? Yeah. And then what's your money thing? Yeah. What are you going to make a living at? Yeah. 
right? I just got a call from my son. Uh, my son is studying to be a Hasidic rabbi. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, he's been in school for a long time and he's got no money, right? So he's mm -hmm. going to, a, he went to a wedding in another country. Uh, guess who paid for the ticket, right? I paid for the ticket. Uh, and uh, I said to him, now this is his passion. It has lit him up. The power and wisdom and the groundedness that comes from him is, is breathtaking. So because he's not on a corporate career path, you know, like I, of course I would like him in khakis and a polo shirt under fluorescent lights with healthcare and all that stuff. But yeah. I've never seen the kids so alive and just so grounded and so good. So I'm good. Yeah. Right. But he goes, he goes, he goes to this other country and he's got, he's got the money and he's got everything planned out. And as I'm driving to the airport, uh, you know, dad and me is like, I'm about to give him a hundred bucks. And I'm like, don't give him a hundred bucks. You're always doing things for people <laughs> that yeah. have, they haven't had, like just to keep your money. So I'm sitting in my kitchen, proud of myself, you know, several hours later that I didn't give him the hundred dollars. Phone rings. Dad, it's Jake. I made it. I'm in my hotel. Damn, everything's so expensive. The taxi was this. I didn't know I was going to have to pay for a hotel room. I thought I was staying with my friend and all my money's gone. Yeah. And so, of course, he's in Mexico. So, of course, I'm going to give him the money to stay safe and take care of you. Know, that's not where I want to teach him a life lesson. Yeah. But I did say, let's have a conversation about this is why I want you to understand what you're doing when you say you want to be a rabbi, right? Yeah. You're going to have to make choices, right? Life is expensive. It costs yeah. money to do things, right? Yeah. I want you to follow your passion. Yeah. But how are you going to feed your family? How are you going to get healthcare? We live in America. If you don't have healthcare, you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, so let's have a conversation about those things. And by the way, here's 180 bucks. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> Stay safe. Yeah. Right. So the same thing with the creatives. We have all these things, you know, uh, let's just talk about me being a coach. When I became a coach, mm -hmm. I became a life coach. My heart yeah. was open and all I wanted to do was heal people. And I love people and I just cared about people and I was broke. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Plenty of people loved me and said, Mark changed my life, yeah. but they weren't paying me. Yeah. And my, you know, I was taking care of an ex-wife, two kids, elderly parents, all this stuff. And the, you know, the finances went from fine to worse, to worse, to worse. But I, I don't, I don't want to sell out for the money. But I realized I am running a business here, and you know, unless I want to go live as a roommate in somebody else's house, you know, and live a life of poverty and just help people, I got to figure out how to become professional. Yeah, and that was a hard choice for me to say I'm professional. Then I realized one of the places I love being, I missed my Hugo Boss suits. I missed getting dressed up and going into an office. I mm -hmm. love people who are creating businesses and things like that. So I, you know, I, 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 just, I pivoted to the people who won, who had money, mm -hmm. right? The people who are accomplishing things, who also need the same help that I, that I give, right? I get mm -hmm. calls from their wives saying, what did you do to my husband? Thank you. Like he's so less stressed and he's so present and, you know, he's so different. Now I don't sell that. I don't say I'm going to help you be present. I teach you yeah. leadership skills. I teach you how to get promoted. I teach you all these things. So I had to learn to be professional and take care of my financial house. Yeah. And I paint and I help people when, you know, without, you know, charging because I have money in the bank. I can help people, that kind of yeah. thing. But when you're creative, you know, it's really easy to flush your own financial well-being down the toilet. Absolutely. I understand. <laughs> That's something I've been struggling with for a very long time. Sorry. 
right? Hmm? But you're, you know, you're such a talented guy. I, yeah. you know, and I, that's one of the reasons I complimented on your reading, your writing, is because you, you actually had a point of view, and it was a mm-hmm. solid, useful point of view. And I wanted you to know that you mm-hmm. can make money with your, you know, you've done the research, you've spent years honing your skill, mm-hmm. right? Now, now it's time to think of yourself as a professional. Yeah. With a skill to be offered and to be paid for. Yeah. And it's hard for us creators. Yeah. It is. Cause that's, that's like that, the, 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 it's a weird label, multi-passionate. Um, because like a, a label can oppress other opportunities or can distract from. You got to figure out what one. your nines are. Exactly. You've got a lot of nines in your life. Oh, a hell of a lot. Right? Yeah. And you're flushing your tens down for your nines. Yeah. 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 Good point. I got some homework to do after this. <laughs> I love it. I, I wanted to go with my shaman so badly. I can yeah. afford it. I, like, <clears throat> I have the time. I have the money. I can do it. But I'm creating, I'm writing a new book and I'm creating a new course. Yeah. Right? So I actually told him it's about 90 days, you know, about 90 days before this is all done. If when this is done, there's still a space for me, I'm yeah. totally in. But I've learned that I have shiny object syndrome, and that yeah. shiny object will flush down the thing that's really important to me. Yeah, that's that's a a great story because uh, that's something I've definitely become better at is is looking at all the shiny objects and going, no, I can't afford this, or no, it, while this might be interesting, where this usually happens for me is ideas. So I, I, I love these second brain softwares. I use Rome. A lot of people use Notion. So for me, what really helps with getting rid of the nines is I can quickly outline the idea and I can park it in a way that I can find it if it's ever of use to me in the love future. Perfect. But then it's, it's then it's, it's out of my head so that I'm not thinking, Oh crap, this is such a great idea. Could I do something with it? No, I'm going to detail it. I get it all out of my head. It's done. Now I go back to my 10 work. Brilliant. Yeah. And that, that has been an immensely helpful shift in how I think and how I process information. That's, so. that's so smart. I, I interviewed Tiago, For- Tiago Forte on my podcast. Oh, wow. Uh, what a gentle, lovely, smart guy. Yeah. You know, you would think that he would be uh, one of those automatrons with the second brain thing and yeah. just so or he's <clears throat> such a warm, lovely guy. Uh, and he simplified his program so much. Uh, it's really, really cool guy. I'll have to listen to that. And if I, if I'm correct, um, his book is smart notes. No, his book is, uh, creating a second brain. Creating a second brain. Yeah. I think he's the, sort of the go-to person uh, for this idea about smart notes or second brain software like Rome or Notion or what have you. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant guy. But he, say, he says, you know, we, we just overcomplicated it. He says, yeah. it's just a file ca- filing cabinet. Yeah. Figure yeah. out what your filing cabinet is. Exactly. Well, let me ask you a couple of wrap-up questions and then a, a, a final input from you. What would you say is your core message or philosophy? In per- Perhaps there could be two. It could be your approach to life in general, or there could be a separation between life and the work you do in business. No, my, my, core, message, my core message is you're free. You've always been free. You've never yeah. known you've been free, but you've always been free. You have choice. You're not a victim of anything, and you don't have to do anything. 
You only do what you want to do and you don't ever and you don't do what you don't want to do only always. And if you look at that, you'll see that you've always been free. You've just been yeah. making choices. Yeah. Just been making choices and you've also been making some excuses that have led to those choices. Yeah. Making excuses is a choice. Yes, true. Yeah. Beautiful. And I think you probably say this because of, because I I was there like I'm an ex smoker I get yes. it right <laughs> like you know so I have to remind myself every day that I'm free that victim mentality comes in all the time and mm-hmm. I'm like I am free I don't have to pay this tax bill I yeah. really don't yeah. I'd rather not have the consequences yes so I'll choose to, right so beautiful yeah you may have already said this but what's your ten for the rest of 2022. Uh, my, so think, talk about distractions. So my son calls me up and he lives in Dallas and he says, and you know, George Strait's my favorite singer. Uh, and George Strait doesn't do many, um, concerts awesome. anymore. And he says, dad, for, for, um, for your birthday, uh, I think I'm going to have, you know, I'm asking you to spend money, but I think you'd really like this. Uh, <laughs> uh, you, Jake, my other son, my rabbi son, and I go to George Strait in Fort Worth uh, in November. Mm-hmm. Now going to the retreat was a nine, but I wasn't going. I was like, yep. Don't have to ask me twice. <laughs> right? My sons and I at a George Strait concert, right? Uh, tickets were 2,100 bucks. Mm-hmm. Still have to pay for my rabbi son to <laughs> come with us and all that stuff. But it was like, that's a 10. Like my kids uh, an experience with my kids. Yeah. I'll go in, I'll even go into debt for that shit. Uh, but you know, for that, and then creating the, uh, creating the course yeah. is, uh, the course in the book, uh, with my kids and then an, uh, another ayahuasca journey coming up, uh, in October. So I'm kind of excited by that and yeah. that should handle 2021. Um, 2022. <laughs> oh, and also I'd love to plan another epic vacation with my husband. Amazing. We, I got, he had me get uh, scuba dive certified last year. Uh, yeah. So I want to go, I want to go scuba diving again. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, thank you, Mark. I mean, this has been for me enlightening. There's some additional information I've learned uh, that I, I, I secretly programmed some of the questions for myself <laughs> to find out how you might respond. Um, but I really appreciate what you've brought and I'd, I'd love to give you the final word, anything that you want to say or add or, or, or comment on about what we've spoken about today. I would say, uh, dude, you are so wise and you're, you're so clear in, in what you offer that I mm-hmm. think that people should follow you on your social media talent cha- channels because you, you, you alchemize everything that you brought in, in such a clear and concise way. So I think people should follow you and learn a lot. That's my final word. Amazing. Thank you. Um, I'm going to have all the links so that people can find you and get your books. Is there uh, one specific place or two places that people can find? Just go to my website, markjsilverman.com, markjsilverman.com. There's a red banner on the top of my website. Uh, Most of my my clients are ADD and will not read my book. So they say, Mark, (laughs) can you make little five-minute videos of everything you teach? Yeah. Yes. So I put that on the website. There's also a free copy. You know, if they want a free copy of Only Tens 2.0, they can go to that link. There is a free PDF copy that they can read on their Kindle and uh, they can read the book for free. Awesome. Great. I will have those links in the episode notes. And thank you again for your time and your wisdom today. I'm so glad we connected. Thanks, Mark. 
Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Mark Silverman. And if you're a struggling creator or a change maker, wondering how can I make a difference in the world? How can I create a thriving business at the same time and enjoy happiness and peace of mind and greater freedom? If you're asking yourself those questions, let's meet for a conversation. I'm curious to learn what motivates you, what drives you, what inspires you to want to make a difference in the world or create the business of your dreams and what steps that you can take to actually move in that direction with greater ease and success. So I invite you to book a free coaching discovery session with me. Just click on the link below in the show notes and we'll have a discussion.